Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One. Each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam. In the words of um, Dr. Dad, you're not like other women. I'm so happy Dr. Dad was here. I was beside myself. I forgot he was going to be here, and it was a big day for me. But before we get to Dr. Dad and everything else in this movie... Uh, we've got two other people with us. Mitch is not one of them. He's doing something. Usually I come up with a funny thing. I don't really remember what he's doing, but he's not here. He's and in the city. He's in the city. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in his place, we have Laura and Madeline back. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. You will we remember just the same thing. <laughs> 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 the same, same time. We are basically the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm just going to line those up so it sounds like you said it at the exact same time. <laughs> and Good idea. It's perfect. So uh, it's been a little bit since you have both of you guys on. And I want to, <laughs> I just need to ask this right away. Why are we talking about this? There's so much to talk about. Why not? You know? That's, okay, it's, fair. It's what? It's almost three hours of pure chaos. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, so everybody's read the title. I just don't know how to get into this, but you've read the title. You know what we're here to talk about. It's Sex in the City 2, which is from the year 2010. Just a banner year. Good year. For <laughs> Sex in Cities, I guess. Um, Hip-hop and- pop music as well. There's a lot of good uh, pop music from that time. A huge year for Liza Minnelli. Just a really exciting time in her life. Um, but so what I need to ask first is because I don't I don't know what anything about sex in this city at all. And I'm hoping that somebody here can tell me something about it. What what what's happening? Where are we? Who are these people? Okay. I'll I'll take a stab at it and then maybe you can try, Laura. So sure. there are four best gal pals in the city and of course the city is new york city um and the main one like the main character is carrie um who's a bit of a like self-absorbed uh writer type and she writes a sex column and in the column each week she kind of like writes about her friends like romps and like drama and happenings and so you got you like see what's happening in all their different lives and how they they're intertwined and yeah, they have a lot of like funny excursions and like just weird encounters with different men and like women sometimes and like a bunch of different things. And yeah, it's it's a good time. It's a bad time sometimes, but even when it's a bad time, it's a good time. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good synopsis. <laughs> um yeah, I feel like I don't even really have anything to add other than um, in the midst of all of their uh, little escapades and stuff, there's always some sort of lesson or like philosophy that mm-hmm. they come to, like some silly little philosophical thing about relationships that they come to at the end of each episode. Yeah, and, and it'll be those like... Those are lots of fun. It'll be narrated by Carrie because she's like writing her column about it and she's always like i couldn't help but wonder (laughs) you know (laughs) 
if if the if the lesson was really the friends we made along the way exactly. it's, that, it's that sort of thing Corey. like every episode okay. is like that what yeah. was it with like the 2000s and tv shows having like narrators because i instantly just think of gossip girl also yeah which was just i wonder a like, city-based romp with a narrator yeah like sex in the city set the tone for so many tv shows like that like Gossip Girl probably got that from them. And then, yeah, there have been, I don't know. They were really the OG. So I don't know who started the yeah. narration thing. I kind of love it. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Like you feel like you're you're in the column, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> is she? Yeah. In, in, so like in the show, this is not a joke question. Is she like a good writer? <laughs> um like allegedly this is the the other thing (laughs) the other thing that's hilarious is like just you know from the point of view of someone who is also like in the world of writers it's just like this woman writes like a 500 word column a week and she lives in this like massive gorgeous apartment she can afford all of these designer things she can afford to meet her friends for like lunch breakfast dinner like every day (laughs) yeah she has there's a whole sequence in this movie where she complains that they're ordering in too much and not going out (laughs) to expensive restaurants in new york city all the time yeah it's a lot and then yeah she at one point she ends up like writing for vogue for like four dollars a word or something like that bro (laughs) could you imagine yeah and she lives in this beautiful like two-bedroom apartment that's like i don't know seven hundred dollars a month or something it's crazy yeah and i guess we all have the unique insight from our education to know that this show is bullshit yeah well i mean at the time in the 90s that was like the height it actually might have been kind of realistic well i mean because the thing is it's actually based on a true story kind of um like it's based on what's her name I is think it's Candace Bushnell. Bushnell comes yeah, in? yeah. This is research. where, yeah, she was the real Carrie, and um, yeah, she had her column and she wrote a bunch of books about it, like Carrie ends up doing, and yeah. Man, so does does everybody on this podcast have experience like with the TV show too? And yes, yeah, yeah. Laura and I uh, have seen all of it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen probably about 30 episodes or so. Um, I, I first had to watch it just in the last year. Had to. Because we, <laughs> we started getting it at work. So I was I was legally obligated to watch it. Um, <laughs> so I, I've probably seen about 30 episodes. Before that, I, I knew nothing about it. And so I just had to get really acquainted with the show. And, and because of the work I do, like watching one uh typically they're like 25 minute episodes Corey. uh watching one of those episodes would take me about an hour and a half and so i was so invested in uh (laughs) carrie bradshaw's world and all that she stands for and so um i I, i've definitely missed a lot um but i watched the original movie back to back with this sequel movie and at the beginning of that original movie they do a quick catch-up um i guess for people who hadn't seen the show in order to now see this movie version um mm-hmm. they do a bit of narration about like this is who my friends are this one this this woman uh is this personality type and 
it was exactly the way I described it to my partner, Brianna. The beginning of, of the first movie is like verbatim what I said to Brianna. Like this one likes sex. This one's a businesswoman. <laughs> this one has family values. And they do that right at the beginning of the movie. And, uh, and there wasn't anything in either of these movies that I didn't understand. So I think the 30 episodes I've seen uh, went a long way, especially because it wasn't 30 episodes all in a row you know it was some from this season and some from the later seasons and so i was pretty well acquainted and i i had my mind made up on what i think about the show too so yeah i feel like honestly you could because the characters are just so tropey you could literally watch one episode of sex and city and get what all the characters are about yeah yeah i don't, I don't think i don't think you're that lost here Corey. like i don't think you're you're missing out you got a good sex in the city experience and well this makes you i got go a sex back. in the city experience <laughs> <laughs> if if anything like by the time it hits this movie everyone has just retreated into like a caricature of their characters <laughs> it you know feels what i mean that like, way. it really like <laughs> cynthia nixon's whole job is yeah. like i read a book <laughs> like, like i did research that, yeah. and that's like all she does is she's like the book one and then, yeah yeah uh, well they had to give her a break because of what happened in the previous movie i mean that was her like drama time oh, <laughs> so, okay. so she had in to this back movie seat, and now it's kim cattrall's drama time yeah <laughs> um and isn't one of them like aren't they making a new one and one of them is not coming back yeah so this is the latest update um they're they're making (laughs) a new series so it's not even a movie it's like a series um there was going to be another movie but that got i think like caught up in some drama again the drama was that sam was not joining kim cattrall was not joining um and for this series like kim cattrall is not joining either um so that's the big drama is that Samantha Jones, who's like the best character, is like, I'm out. Yeah. And, and like rightly so. <laughs> yeah, I respect it. I respect yeah. that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, um, I can see why you come back to Sex in the City three if like you failed to be elected mayor of New York. Like <laughs> a few other things that you haven't been able to do. But yeah, if you're whatever, man, just go live your life um okay so there's a lot of sex in the city i could get to theoretically if i wanted to do that Mm -hmm. um actually wait we talked about doing something first yeah i think we should do two things i think we should try and um like hum the theme song like oh th- wait there was, a, there was like an identifiable theme song yeah okay Cora oh, doesn't no. know this <laughs> laura are you confident in doing this with me i'm confident okay i think it would okay but you have to do the hbo <laughs> thing first oh i can't do that can you do it because <laughs> that's the theme song that like you know everyone has the theme song that they anticipate after they hear the hbo song yeah or yeah. hbo thing that's the song that i automatically imagine starting Same. Um, yeah like pat and i are watching the sopranos right now which is hbo and mm-hmm. every time i see that hbo thing i just i just like expect the sex in the city song and it's obviously not gonna be the sex in the city song but yeah at this yeah, point it's I- a good song yeah, I think my Sopranos like urge has overridden my 
Sex in the City after the HBO thing, but my HBO <laughs> reflex is Game of Thrones still. Uh, lot that's lots of people's. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. I just gotta watch The Sopranos and I'll feel better about myself. You think, do. Yeah. You do. You could tell a lot about someone if you play the HBO sound <laughs> for them and then say, "What do you expect?" That's like a What's good. What's yours? That's Liam? a good icebreaker at work. It would be Sex in the City for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we should. Okay, three, two. And the lyrics start, right? I'm the new kid, moving in, getting it done. Feel free to cut that out. Oh, no. <laughs> I, that was I, really I, awful. I'm going to play it twice. That was amazing. <laughs> Potentially the greatest thing that's ever happened on this show. Corey, you I'm should, not kidding. You should bury the, the actual audio of the theme beneath it and see how much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You should. Yeah, I'm going to do that for sure. <laughs> Oh, that's such a good idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the next thing that we were going to do is say, which character do you identify with? I think Laura and I have thought a lot about this. So, Laura? Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say that I'm a Miranda son <laughs> with a Charlotte <laughs> Rising. That's what I feel like I am. Definitely mostly Miranda, just like... Miranda's very, like, practical and, like, realistic uh, in a romantic, like, in her romantic relationships, which I feel like I relate to. But then also, on the flip side, Charlotte is, like, the complete opposite and is just, like, such a hopeless romantic, sometimes, like, to a fault, which, in a weird way, I also feel like I relate to. So, yeah. yeah. For sure. I would say I'm, I don't know. I'm a half Carrie, half Samantha, I think. Um, but I feel like it's like who you think you are and who other people perceive you as is different. That's as well. true. Yeah, that so, is that is true. Yeah, maybe we should do another round at the end and yeah. call yeah. everyone else out. <laughs> I'm also like I'm very conscious of not saying that I'm a Carrie because everyone thinks they're a Carrie. <laughs> we <laughs> can't all be is, Carrie, <laughs> which is like the point, I guess. But Carrie's like embarrassing. Like you don't yes. really, you don't really want to be a Carrie. That's true. That's true. What about you, Liam? You see, I I would want to say that I'm Aiden because mm. he's one of the few characters, certainly the few male characters who I like, but he uh, he likes Carrie Bradshaw, and so in that way, we are completely <laughs> different. So I think maybe uh, maybe I'd be a Steve. Yeah. Uh, Steve, he's he's loyal mostly um <laughs> he's like he's he's kind of scrappy maybe slightly endearing and uh if i were to cheat on my beautiful partner i would be apologetic about it so yeah so yeah. that's me i think i gotta say this movie didn't instill in me a great hope about the men of sex in the city no they all seem pretty trash 
Yeah. Well, I mean, they are. <laughs> they I'm are. I'm going to go ahead Mostly. and circumvent that entirely. And also say it's funny that some of the framing was about like what they're like in romantic relationships because I feel like I didn't get a great read on that in this movie. <laughs> most people are just spiraling constantly. <laughs> That's um, true. Yeah. And in that spiraling, I felt like I was really identifying with the degree to which Charlotte cannot stop spiraling. Yeah. <laughs> she is yeah. having the worst time. <laughs> and while I I don't feel like I'm like that all the time, there is a degree to the whole a. I am just losing it in my own anxiety and B, I can't stop checking my phone that I felt like sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's, I get it. So I felt like I was really connecting with Charlotte. Whereas with everybody else, I was just sort of like, okay, what's, (laughs) what's going on here? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. Charlotte's very lovable. Yeah. Like when she's not, crying in a pantry because she can't handle her kids she seems like she's having a pretty good time (laughs) yeah so we should i guess just talk about there's a lot to talk about in this movie so we should just get started laying it all out yeah i'll give a plot rundown and also really quick i like how all four sex in the city people i don't know what they're called like as a group i don't know how people like the girls i don't know yeah, like the girls. all of the girls were covered in our how we see ourselves mm-hmm. and at least two of the men also really quick i actually i just gotta ask this now what's the appeal of mr big nothing <laughs> nobody knows Absolutely that's the great not like that's the greatest mystery of sex and city of is all like time. what that Holy what shit, the just, hell just the most boring nothing man he's boring he's not even cute like this is like the person (laughs) that carrie obsesses over for years and he's not even cute or charismatic like i i don't get it i really don't get it so like i'm having a natural reaction that everyone has to that oh yeah he's like like, probably like honestly i feel like one of the most hated characters in television <laughs> also really i don't want to get too sidetracked too fast but i also got to ask why is he named that because she like being a writer i don't know maybe that's i it must have been like the way that she could write about him in her column without like using names maybe <laughs> the pseudonym was but you you don't name. find out his real name until the very last episode i think of like yes. the entire series wow yeah and it's a very underwhelming and name. And it's a really, it's the it's most. It's a hilarious yeah. name. I just, I just, I'm just now seeing it for the first time. Yeah. It's uh, bad. Yeah, they had like seven years to come up with that. They should have named him like <laughs> McLovin or something. Yeah. <laughs> like something ridiculous. Very, very underwhelming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it, it's weird, the the Mr. Big thing. Like it. It seems like it's it's right there in line with the way that Carrie writes, where it's like everything that the show does is pointing us to say that we're supposed to feel one way, but then the general consensus is that we don't feel that way. All of us on the call don't like Mr. Big and maybe don't think that Carrie is a very great writer, but everything in the show like totally pushes against that and just plugs their ears and there doesn't seem to be any self-awareness there at all it's like in the world of the show allegedly mr big is very sexy and charismatic but uh, yeah that's honestly like it happens with a lot of 
like the random, not so much like the other main guys, but like a lot of the random flings that they have. Yeah. There's all these like really funny scenes in like bars where they're like, oh my God, look <laughs> at that guy. He's, he's totally checking you out. And then they pan to him <laughs> and it's just like, and they're talking about this man as if he's like the sex God. And it's just some regular man. Yeah, I'll say it. And it's like, it's like this bald guy in a polo shirt. <laughs> and it's like, just like, I don't know if like 2003 just sucked. but Yeah, like- <laughs> that's the thing. I'm like, I'm wondering if the people who watched the show when it was coming out, like this was the guy, like the type of guy. Or maybe it's like. It might maybe it's an age thing. Like, yeah, yeah, because they. It's good to note that they are older. Like in the show, they're, they're in their thirties. Yeah, it's it's really cool to have you guys on, and now to hear that you you basically feel the same as Corey and I, <laughs> at least as far as we as as we've gotten right now. Because I I've only been with this show for so long, so I haven't actually <laughs> talked to anyone else about it, and uh, I've got to wonder if it's like because that the show and and the movies aren't actually written or directed by a woman. It's all about women, but it's actually. Uh, written and directed and the showrunner is a gay man and so yeah, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's it maybe we're actually like it's more of a I mean the mm-hmm. the movies gave me the feel that this is like a caricature of women at this yes. point like it's it's not actually representative of women and like women empowerment and stuff instead it's like what a gay dude perceives women to be or something I don't uh, think so. yeah. this movie is a reflective of any group of people it claims to show like from top to bottom um (laughs) also there is basically like not a single hot dude in this movie yeah at all so just to carry that through line i honestly don't know if there's a single hot dude in sex and the city (laughs) in the entire franchise yeah that's so funny i have to say i don't know like my favorite or like yeah my favorite would be john berger from like a couple of the of the i think he was shows he would have been the cutest i would say yeah like he's I'm cute google this guy really quick <laughs> oh my God. I, i'm I doing the, i'm doing the same core yeah. I don't know yeah. I've seen this guy. but he also like he breaks up with her on a post-it note oh so. oh dude this i've never seen this dude in the show but i love this actor i know yeah. him and yeah that's a sexy dude Oh yeah, it's, I, I know this guy. Endearing man. Oh, you know what? You know what was actually my favorite? We've talked about this before, Maddie. Yeah. I forgot, but when David Duchovny oh, is yeah. in one episode and he's Carrie's um, like old high school boyfriend and they like reconnect for like one episode and it's really lovely and he's my favorite yeah man love interest that's ever been in the show. Yeah, I would <laughs> okay. Yeah, mine like my toxic fave is Burger, but like my actual wholesome fave is probably David Duchovny. Yeah. This Jack Livingston character, the actor just looks like a long lost Duplass brother. <laughs> like that's all I can think of looking at him. <laughs> um, yeah. I I also I wish that David Duchovny was just playing X Files on Sex and the City. Yeah. Crossover episode. <laughs> Missed opportunity to get Carrie Bradshaw to write like sci-fi. 
Or if she, like, yeah, uh, oh, my God, if she, like, profiled him for Vogue and, like, <laughs> and came along on, like, an alien expedition and, yeah, like, yeah. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> Give the yeah. people what they want. Do you, know how, do you know how hard 2021 would lose its mind if that was made? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, 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 I got I got one that I like. Sorry. We are never I'm, just, into this movie. I, I'm looking at pictures of the various men that have shown up in Sex in the City to try to remind myself because there there were occasions where there would be a dude that Carrie or one of her friends would date in an episode and I would look them up because I would be like, This person is awesome. Have they been anything else in anything else? Are they gonna be in more episodes? And it would turn out that they're just in that one episode. So it is one of those like revolving door shows where you just have a lot of guest stars, but one guest star who I really loved and he was I, I was lucky enough that he was in multiple episodes was our our guy Corey Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Peaks really he Ooh. is um Charlotte's husband for a while mm-hmm. magic husband yeah he's in I mean he's probably... gotta be the best boy though just as like a baseline because it's Kyle McLaughlin he's actually pretty pathetic but like oh. yeah his I character love... is weak is it in a yeah. charming way no, no, it's like it's actually quite sad. Uh, like the whole storyline, uh, like in like a mama's boy way. Oh, but like okay. I love, seeing, you know, Kyle MacLachlan has range, and we love to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe too much range. He's one of those actors where, like, I, lo- I love him so much, and so I always expect great things, but then he ends up, I guess just the material that he, he sometimes is doing disappoints me. Like, he's the bad dude in the Flintstones movie. Oh, yeah. And really let me down. He's also in How I Met Your Mother, and I don't think gets to do much in that one. So, you know, at least he got to be Cooper again. He's lots of fun in Desperate Housewives. Oh, yes. You know, he Brianna another... loves that show. I'm dying to see it. That's probably the first show I ever, like, fell in love with. I was obsessed with it. And he plays, like, a another husband who becomes somewhat pathetic. Mm. And he's he's very good. I've got to watch that show. Is there, like, you a... Do. do you think there'll ever be, like, a movie of that show? <laughs> I don't think so. Because... Mm. And I think, like... I don't know. It's actually like similar to Sex and City in a lot of ways in the fact that there's like four women. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who are very, who are very distinct and it's about their friendships and their lives. And then also there's the similar thing as with Sex and City where there's a lot of feuding in the cast. And narrator. Yes. Yo, really? Well, (laughs) not every episode there was, uh, I'm not sure. I watched it a really long time ago, but at least in the beginning, there was a narrator because the whole show starts with like a woman, like one of the core friends. There used to be five and one dies and then she kind of narrates bits and pieces. Um, but I, I'm not sure if it's every episode. Honestly, that's, that's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. like suburban and like suburban sex in the city. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at some, some screenshots here. And yeah, that really just kind of seems like all it is. Which I, I say that disparagingly, which is maybe unfair. There's a girl in a cowboy hat in this one. That seems well, pretty exciting. I've I've also actually heard Twin Peaks comparisons when it comes to that show. That to there's like housewives. Yeah, that the the neighborhood has like a seedy underbelly to it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the case, Laura? Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. It's like, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's about like the relationships and stuff. But but then there's also like murder. 
like there's always okay. murders happening in this like suburban town <laughs> and like yeah that's actually i've never heard that before but that is interesting to think about but it's good i would highly recommend it i want to rewatch it soon well cool i i wish i wish there was murder in one of these movies <laughs> so um we have two and a half hours of sex in the city two to get to yeah and while this is way better to talk about i'm just gonna give a quick cast and crew rundown of sex in the city two and then we can maybe we can embark on that journey because there's a lot to get to i think um written and directed by michael patrick king who was a producer of the TV show in the first movie and also uh, Will and Grace and Two Broke Girls and some other stuff. Oof. Um, writing credits also go to Candace Bushnell, who wrote the book, and Darren Starr, who created the show, and a bunch of other things like Melrose Place and 90210 and fucking Emily in Paris. <laughs> and, uh, or isn't it, wasn't there some shit going around that it's like actually supposed to be Amelie in Paris? Is that real? Oh, yeah. Did it's you sp- trick me into that, or is that real? It's supposed to be like Emily in Paris. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So there you go, um, Darren. Uh, the cinematography is by uh, a guy named John Thomas, which is uh, a pretty a pretty boring name. That's pretty up there with Mr. Big's real name in terms of <laughs> just not inspiring confidence. Um, it was edited by Michael Barenbaum who uh, edited The Untouchables and was in the sound department for Maximum Overdrive, which is pretty cool. And um, the music is by Aaron Zygman, who did the soundtrack for Medea's Witness Protection, Step Up for Miami Heat, and The Notebook. Just swooping in there at the end. Um, And of course, we've got um, quick cast. We've got Sarah Jessica Parker, Kim Cattrall, Kristen Davis, Cynthia Nixon, Chris Noth, John Corbett, aka Doctor Dad, friend of the show. I think this is the fourth time we've watched a movie with him in it. You know, I think it is too. But in watching this movie, I couldn't remember the third one. To all the boys I've loved before, two and forty eight meters down, and my big fat Greek wedding too. Oh yes, forgot about. Oh, that Oh, you're one. right. He mm-hmm. is in To All the Boys. I forgot oh, about that. How could you forget? What an iconic character. we love this guy he's just a wholesome dad and everything i think when i first came across him in watching the show i messaged Corey right away because it was already a bit for us but i didn't i didn't recognize him in the show it was only in looking at his wikipedia page and realizing it was him which is strange because he mostly looks the same but anyway i was was very happy if you're listening come on the show (laughs) <laughs> just uh just don't listen to the rest of this episode. just don't listen to the rest of this episode we're gonna say some mean shit about aiden for sure um and we'll, we'll have to just look past that oh we've got david I- eigenberg evan handler jason lewis willie Gar- garson or garcon um mario Cantone. <laughs> i don't know i'm just reading words willie just... garcon in peron <laughs> yeah that's, that's it uh lynn cohen alice eve Noah Mills, Megan Boone, Max Ryan, uh, Raza Joffrey, uh, Viola Harris, Omid Jalili, uh, Daffer Labidin, Art Malik, Penelope Cruz, very briefly, uh, Liza Minnelli, and Miley Cyrus. Uh, and this movie is about um, 
Well, this movie is about a gay couple getting married for about an hour. And then it's about... It's but a mere prologue. <laughs> and then it's about these four women getting the most disgustingly lavish, all-expenses-paid vacation I've ever seen in my life. And as they do that, um, they grapple with marriage, um, nannies being exhausted by her own children, and menopause. And then they have to get the fuck out of Abu Dhabi as fast as possible. Yeah, they commit crimes. They grapple with the Abu Dhabi culture as well. That's a big thing. Um, yes, they do. Um, they sure do, and it's totally a fair representation of that. And, this, <laughs> and it's there's no problems with it at all. Obviously, it's just it's perfectly sound. Um, I don't want to go first because I feel like everybody else is going to have a little bit more baggage to carry to this movie. So I think I'm more interested in, you know, whoever feels like going first, just go ahead and pick up this mantle. But what do people who like sex in the city think about this movie? <laughs> I mean, I hadn't watched it until a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I was having an awful day and Maddie was like, come over. I know what you need. <laughs> And we watched, we watched the first Sex and City one day, and then we watched the second one, and it was exactly what I needed because it was just so horrible, but also so much fun. Um, but yeah, the thing that Maddie Maddie had been telling me to watch it for like a year, and the thing that Maddie always said that I now agree with is that both of the movies, especially in the second one, are not canon. They do oh, not. No? They're not yeah. part of they the They do not count because it's just so. It just goes so off the rails from like all the character development that occurs in the show and everything that's wrapped up at the end of the show that it's just like this doesn't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I really hope fiction. that ends up being true. You know, nowadays there's a huge trend of just sequelizing the original and ignoring all the stuff in between. So this new TV mm-hmm. series, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they just uh, did away with all this stuff. Cause if halfway through like the premiere episode, they go like, Oh dude, remember that time when we uh, were in Abu Dhabi and had to <laughs> run away with wearing burkas so that we could fly first class, it would just totally throw the flow off. So yeah. I, I think that, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those movies, like I told, we watched it when Laura was having a bad day, because it's like, you think your life is bad, like, this movie will put it all in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, like, will take it, you know, you'll have so much to be worried about, so much to be wrapped up in, it's, yeah, it's a whirlwind. Yeah. <laughs> um... So here's my here's my problem. Um I I understand like the appeal of this being you sit down and you watch it and it's just this like glorious catastrophe and you just have fun with it. But as a solo endeavor, this is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. exhausting. It's also quite like boring dude in the middle of it like like, there's it kind of it drags yeah and the the opening is like an hour and nobody's doing anything no it's it's just like what if i made fun of the fact that gay people exist for a long time 
and then Liza Minnelli's gonna sing some Beyonce. Yeah, it's pretty funny that like, yeah, the creators were mostly gay men because it's like that opening scene just feels like a hate crime against yourself, <laughs> like- dude. And it's like, and it's trying to be like, oh no, we're making like wink and nod jokes about it, and it's like you're not though it's you can't just say oh isn't it funny they have swans when in the same scene you're like oh gay people don't do real marriages because they say they can cheat on each other (laughs) like what are you talking about yeah there's a lot going on for anyone who hasn't seen it um carrie's (laughs) best friend and then charlotte's best friend are getting married i guess um like both gay best friends and then they have this like really outlandish extravagant wedding where Liza Minnelli does a rendition of single ladies yeah 2010 Um, baby I hope she got paid a lot for that I hope Liza got a whole house out of this endeavor she must have she must have what is the appeal of your Liza Minnelli to do this film if you're not getting paid big fan of the show maybe Well, the first movie what was already out at that point. Girl so. is Liza Minnelli. Ooh, Miranda. That was fast. You feel yeah. really assured <laughs> of that choice. That's, that sounds right to me. Maybe <laughs> I'm just going off like the short hair. Maybe I didn't think hard enough, but. Well, but also Miranda was the only one that understood her because she said to Charlotte that Liza Minnelli just shows up whenever there's something super gay happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that understand joke. each other. There's a good one. At least that was at least like in the top 200 of jokes in this movie. Oh yeah, and there's tons wall to wall comedy. Um, so so <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know where to start with this, but I'm just gonna address this part of it now too. Um, is anyone else? And I'm sure the answer is yes. Just completely put off by this level of uh like conspicuous wealth yes like yeah. it's everything is so rich and lavish all the time to the point where the characters seem completely incapable of recognizing anything beyond this insane level of like consumerism and i just could not deal with it <laughs> it was it was like getting hit over the head constantly. <laughs> yeah, it's a is lot. Is it all like that? Or is this like the movie is cranking it up to 12 because um, it's a movie? It, it kind of, yeah, I feel like it's almost kind of always like that. But the, the funny thing about Carrie is like they try and pr- play her off as like being broke in in like a cute way. Yeah, like she's always like... <laughs> oh, I have no money, but I just spent $800 on shoes. And then, like, I feel like whenever she is in, like, a kind of fake money crunch, like, that a real person would face, she just gets, like, bailed out so easily. I don't know. Like, by um, big or something. Yeah, by big or even, like... Um, Aiden helps her Aiden, out at one point. Aiden like buys her apartment off of her when she can't like afford it anymore or something. And then she cheats on him. And then she cheats on him. Wow, Carrie, very cool. Mm. And then she just gets to keep the apartment. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, I, d- I don't even know. Then she's like, "Oh, how am I going to afford to buy my apartment?" And then 
I think, like, her friends help her, and then she pays them back, and then they just, like, never talk about it again. Yeah, I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know what happens, but yeah, the funny thing to me about this, like, how it comes through in this movie is, like, how they end up, um, like, keeping her apartment when they have an apartment of their own. dude. And then, wait, like, they also, yeah, they have an apart, a giant penthouse of their own or something, and then they also have... Carrie's apartment and that's some like <laughs> it's not a penthouse anymore they said they moved 12 floors oh, down oh it's a downgrade <laughs> see that's that's the thing like like they want you to think that Carrie is kind of like more humble <laughs> she buys big like a 50 year old Rolex yeah it's it's crazy <laughs> anyways I I also thought how funny like their dilemma was like like, oh, um, what were they going to do? Like, they were going to make, he was going to keep his apartment or something so yeah. that he could go back to it and they could both be in their separate apartments. But they already have two between them. So uh, the setup for that is so <laughs> weird because, yes, what they make it sound like is Carrie's like, yeah, let's keep doing this two days apart thing. Yeah. And then he, he's like okay, so how it would work is I have a separate apartment and you have a separate apartment and then we also have this apartment. Yeah. And it's like, you yeah. just need the two you already yeah, have. Like, it the makes math. absolutely no because sense. Because if Carrie's not there, yeah, then you have an empty apartment. Himself. Yes, exactly. They're treating, this, they're treating this like it, like, okay, so when, <laughs> when she's trying to explain it to the girls and they're like, so you would each get two days a week? They're saying that as if it's two different days. Like, it's more than yeah. half the total week. And it's like, <laughs> like that's as... not how this works. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> um, also, I forgot to mention, of course, opening song, Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. <laughs> that was but dope. conspicuously no Jay-Z. That got me in the mood. <laughs> um, it was nice. This is a big 2010 time capsule, this movie. Mm-hmm. So we go to this just disgustingly wealthy wedding that has everybody like sleeping over on this like estate or something. Mm-hmm. And there's like a chorus of, of dudes singing and uh, they they just make a lot of jokes about how um gay people aren't like normal people. And everybody seems to think that's just kind of hilarious. Yeah, I feel like it it was made at this time where it was becoming, like, trendy or, like, in vogue to be, like, pro-gay rights, but there was still some, like, lag. Like, there were a lot of weird jokes and stuff. Yeah, this is, like, the most bigoted progressivism I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, exactly. It, it, it feels like it's the sort of thing where it's like, okay, now we're progressive enough that we're not going to ignore gay people anymore. Like they're, they're going to be included in our movie and we're so progressive that we're able to make fun of them. And then uh, the gay people will know that like, oh, we're just like, you're just involved now. We're just, we're just having a goof, but it seems really, really vicious and, and uh ignorant uh because there's no other voice allowed in the movie like we just stick with the homophobic people the entire time and and that's it really because after that first hour then then you're past it then Mm -hmm. gay people stop existing 
Um, that whole setup to the reveal being we each have one singular gay best friend and oh my god they're marrying each other like dude are you for real and in the series like they didn't even they would always fight with each other and and yeah yeah it it seemed weird in the series they tried to they tried to set them up and then they both had an awful time and didn't get along and then I don't even know yeah. if they, like, gave any sort of backstory of how they, like, suddenly do love each other now. <laughs> um, yeah, they definitely just kind of shoehorn that in. It really does feel like fan fiction. Um, it does. Uh, having watched both movies so close together, I feel like um, I, like, had a really long sex and the city dream on the weekend you left and like just long enough of a weird pause between <laughs> sex and the city <laughs> i feel like i i dreamt about the show and like involved all these characters that i had seen before and like my brain just mashed them together and uh and exaggerated the things that i remembered about the show because i'm not super familiar with it this feels like it was written by people and and acted by people that like weren't there originally and i think that happens a lot of the time with with tv shows in particular when you're uh, in the thick of it you you sort of forget like what it what it used to be and you get it into your head like what's making people laugh now um and so characters get more exaggerated if early on in the show they found like a personality quirk that worked as a joke and that the audience liked then that thing gets uh gets embellished and yeah. and caricaturized. And I, th- I think that's like I think that's also probably like pretty obviously to do with the fact that it like is a different director. So I think that's kind of bound to happen. Um you know that he kind of just took the characters that Darren Starr made and just kinda took the yeah, the caricature right, yeah. versions of them and just did what, you know, he wanted to do with them and it didn't end up being very genuine to who they actually were and who the characters ended up being by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I had I had totally uh, gotten hit, the, the director here confused with Darren Starr. I thought that they were the same person that this dude was in charge of the show from the beginning and so i wonder do you guys know like what darren star's involvement or lack of involvement was or or why because that's that's got to be it i don't know why but i know uh darren star did the show and i don't know about the first movie but the director of the second movie is michael something yeah he he did the <laughs> it's first not Darren movie Star. Michael Patrick he King. did the first movie yeah, yeah so he he might have been involved in the show in some capacity but Darren Star was the main guy who created it and for some reason he wasn't involved in the movies and I I don't quite know why or maybe he was involved but not directing Maddie do you know what all I don't know but I'm looking it up as we speak. I'm sure there are articles about this. Yeah. 
And because I, I, I was looking up interviews with Michael Patrick King, uh, the director of these movies, after watching the movie, because I was just like, what does this guy have to say for himself? Um, and there was very little out there. And so I was thinking, why is there not much of the Sex in the City creator talking? And so it makes a lot more sense now that I know he's not the creator. It says here that he directed, wrote, and executive produced for the show, and his involvement was in 93 episodes. So it sounds like he was he was there, but he might not have had the creative control that Darren Starr had. So this is him, like, finally getting to play with all those characters, I guess. Yeah, that's just interesting that Michael Patrick King was involved. Did you say he was a writer and executive producer. Yeah. And a director too. So he probably just uh, oh. had involvement with a lot of the episodes, but he just wasn't. Oh, well then my whole, my whole thesis right? is wrong. <laughs> but it's, I, I, I think it holds some sort of water. Like if this Darren star guy, uh, I mean, created the show and he would have been the showrunner there at least for most of it. Um, and so like, he's mostly calling the shots. And then I guess like, <laughs> My idea is that like Michael Patrick King was like there on the sidelines. He's doing he's doing what he's told and 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 making as many calls as he can as the director. But then when he has the chance to like really go all out with these characters, then he just he goes hard and does what he's envisioning. You know, you know, because uh, when there's so many people working on a show, you really need one person to to steer the ship so he probably didn't get as much creative input as uh as maybe he would have liked to i don't know if this movie found their guy to steer this ship because it goes into some choppy waters um i actually i just looked it up and the story this article i'm reading says darren star created sex and city but by the end of the series he was no longer involved in creating plot lines or scripts Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that often okay. happens with like long running TV shows, right? So I guess that means he might not be involved in the show. Oh, interesting. Right? He So Darren Starr said he didn't want Carrie to end up with Mr. Big. I think ultimately oh. the show betrayed what it was about, what? which was that women Yes, which was that women don't ultimately find happiness from marriage. So he was disappointed with the ending, as we all were. What? Dude, there you go. Yeah, that's our guy. So So that, you know, that actually very much explains why the movies are shite. (laughs) 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 Because... Because we've lost Darren Starr's creative vision. His, his of vision men. Got, aw- got away from him <laughs> into Honestly, the hands of someone else. We were betrayed from within, you know? And that, yeah, that the call ha- was coming from inside the house. <laughs> that, it could totally happen, right? Like, dude, the first Panic at the Disco album. I love that album. And it was and it was written uh, by the guitarist, Ryan Ross. He did the lyrics and the music. And, of course, Brendan Urie, uh, whose voice we all recognize, he sang the songs. But then Ryan Ross left the band. And since then, Brendan Urie has got more and more creative control. And uh, To the point where isn't Panic at the Disco just him? It's yeah. just him now, yeah. And so, so of course, you have people. He got more and more creative control because he forcibly made every other band member leave. Right, and 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 um, there are obviously people out there that still really love Panic at the Disco, just as there are people out there who love these Sex and the City movies. But 
you can't deny that the reason it's changed is because like creative control has shifted even though that person was there from the beginning and uh and you might be able to like you might have conflated their sensibilities and thought that they might be similar mm-hmm. but it turns out that these two people are, are have different tastes and ideas all along and so uh michael patrick king is just the timeline we ended up getting um so i'm I'm thinking about it and i just realized i think we're literally maybe like a a fifth of the way into this movie so far (laughs) okay sorry no, no 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 i'm not saying that's bad but i'm just realizing that like i'm looking at my notes that i have and I'm just like, there is so much. We will be here for days. There's a um, lot. Yeah. What can we go to next? So there's the big. We have the wedding. Big gay covered. wedding. And then like the big like crisis with Carrie is that her and Big are finally like together in like a stable relationship. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, and they think they're unique for not wanting kids. Yeah. And they're just feeling that out as as adults. And I think at the same time as this is when we're getting the the nanny B plot. Oh yeah, which is a fun one. And I love how like the friends kind of like contribute to it. <laughs> yeah, they they make it way worse for her. <laughs> yeah. I also love how every time like the way that they introduce the nanny is like a slow-mo shot of her like jogging it's the worst. um with no bra and doing like a cartwheel and then there's this like irish jig music playing and it's really <laughs> great it's really great it's just like whoa it is ridiculous and then i'm pretty sure the second time we see her it's in a bathroom and like she's actively like wetting her shirt <laughs> Her white shirt that she's also not wearing a bra. I just want to get the punchline of this whole subplot out of the way. Why is it that the only reason you don't have to worry about your husband wanting to have sex with your nanny is if she's a lesbian? (laughs) Yeah. Why is that the answer to that problem? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And also, like, Harry would never cheat on her anyways. So it's just, it's like a... Uh, Charlotte's just an emotional wreck. Yeah, it's just time. like a, a subplot so that there would be something for Charlotte to be upset about. Like, it's not... <laughs> they wrote it. They wrote a scene where Cin- uh, Cynthia Nixon... What's her name? Miranda? Yeah. <laughs> where Miranda and uh, Charlotte are talking in Abu Dhabi and they didn't know <laughs> what they were going to talk about. So they wrote that into the beginning of the movie. <laughs> So they had honestly. To talk about, like, are you talking about? Are you talking about the scene when they have a drink and they're talking about motherhood? Yeah, I guess it's more about motherhood. I kind of forgot. Because honestly, I will say that's probably one of my favorite scenes in like all of Sex and the City, the franchise. Because you never really get to see a lot of the girls together having these moments without Carrie. Yeah. A lot of the time. So I actually thought that that was quite nice. And I kind of, I wish that they just kept Charlotte's storyline for that movie just about her struggling with motherhood. Because I think that is a great storyline. I think that's great for Charlotte. (laughs) Well, not great, but like a great 
way to see her grow. It felt like a real thing. Yeah, it felt like a real thing and not just like ridiculous. And I feel like adding the whole nanny thing into it just kind of made her problems seem ridiculous and frivolous. And like she was just a hysterical hormonal woman because she's just, you know, had children. And it. I think, I don't know, it was pretty disappointing. Like I think they could have gone somewhere with that. Yeah, and like really... No, and, like, I think they really could have done Charlotte justice because Charlotte's kind of, like, just ridiculous, like, this ridiculous woman um, who's, like, this hopeless romantic a lot and kind of, like, poked fun at throughout the show a lot by the girls as well. And I just thought that, like, that would have been a nice, I don't know, missed opportunity for them to really give Charlotte some genuine character growth and a interesting real plot line for her and they just they just fucked it up and <laughs> put that st- stupid nanny storyline in <laughs> yeah for sure um i'm trying to think of like what is even important from nanny in the movie to when they actually go on the trip and i think the answer might genuinely be nothing because all that happens is they have an anniversary carrie and big I can't believe we just casually call him that. It's so weird. But, um, and he wants to watch Deadliest Catch in the bedroom. And so he turns his second wedding anniversary into an excuse to buy a television and conjures up a, a genuinely kind of bullshit reason that's pretty easy to see through. And, uh, Carrie is not having it. Uh, and they argue about what their marriage is going to be like, which sets up the potential for, um, living in 16 separate apartments throughout the course of the year <laughs> all across New York. And um, meantime, uh, Samantha is a PR person and she, <laughs> she did the PR for a guy whose name is Smith Jared. <laughs> yeah. God. I is love he from him. the TV show. Yeah, Smith Jared is like her long, yeah, her long running, I guess like her longest relationship, I would think, mm-hmm. right? Her healthiest relationship. And her best, for sure. yeah, like healthiest relationship. But they, uh, once again, they fuck, they fuck it up. Yeah, that, that was awful. Yeah. Oof. Anyways, but yeah, that was in the first movie where they like make them oh, break up, I think. Yeah. And then, in, oh, but, sorry. but okay. in no, but in this one, like she's still on like good flirty terms with him, and that's how she gets the PR thing. Because isn't he, he's doing a movie that's like was yeah. fil- was filmed in the yes. Middle East? Yeah, yeah. So he did a movie in Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. and he was there to shoot the poster, and. <laughs> The premiere is coming up and it's going to be there and he wants her there. Yeah. And she somehow turns that into me and my three best friends are getting an all expense paid week long trip to Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. at the expense of this dude to, and to be completely honest, I don't fully understand what I'm supposed to know about the chic chic Khalid. I don't know what his deal is or what his character is or anything other than he's rich as fuck and just willing to pay for this. Um 
and they're like, yeah, sure, we'll uh, we'll pay for an extremely opulent trip to Abu Dhabi. And at first, in my notes, I started to wonder. I was like, I was thinking, I was like, um, did this movie get funding from? Abu Dhabi or something like yeah. is this an ad was this like a tourism ad disguised <laughs> as a movie and then I realized no because no. this movie is way 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 too racist to possibly be that yeah so, yeah and it ends with them like literally running out of Abu as Dhabi fast it's, as it's, they can. it's not like oh we had such a magical time in Abu Dhabi and like Carrie's like looking out the window on the taxi Logging ride out in. and she's like I couldn't help but wonder it's it's not like that. It's like, <laughs> oh no, like we gotta go. <laughs> so I I feel like it's important to mention this if people don't know. I'm gonna quote Wikipedia directly here. Oh boy. Filming in New York City was postponed to the end of July as Emirati authorities refused clearance for filming in the United Arab Emirates. Consequently, the Abu Dhabi segment of the film was filmed in Morocco. Really? They didn't even shoot the movie there because the government would not allow it. And frankly, wow. the government made a pretty good call here, I yeah. think. <laughs> um, yeah, they did. And that's interesting. I feel like you you see that bleed into the movie and their like hostility towards I don't know, or they're like oof. Yeah. Like there's this sense of like I don't even know how to explain it, but like it's truly baffling to like watch the movie happen. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a bad. Hold on, wait. There's dream. a there's a slight contradiction in the Wikipedia because this says authorities later revoked filming clearance, so either they rejected it initially or they approved it and then changed their mind. I wonder if they rewrote the end of the script to like reflect their own experience of being kicked <laughs> out. Oh, maybe. <laughs> or oh, maybe maybe once the government read the end of the script, they yeah. got it took them a while to two and a half hour long movie. So like <laughs> they were at like page one seventy. They had been reading it for like two weeks and they were like, Okay, fine, you guys can film here. And then a week later they got to page 785 and they saw what happens at the end and they were like yeah you guys can't oh my can't god oh it's, my god it, like you wouldn't yeah you would i'm believe it. i am it's reading ridiculous. a hollywood reporter article mm-hmm. about the writing of this movie holy shit this is fucking crazy um so uh <laughs> so um when King sat down to write the sequel, he was thinking about the global recession and how people's oh, spirits God. needed lifting. What oh. did movie makers do with the big, other big depression? They made big movies and escapist comedies, he says. The result is what he calls his homage to 30s movies, starting um. with wildly over-the-top wedding reception for Stanford and Anthony. I got to direct a movie that felt like an MGM musical with big glittery sets indoors and musical numbers with Liza Minnelli. Uh. Here's the kicker, though. King shifts gears for the movie's second half, which he says is, quote, more the road picture or epic sort of David Lean feel. (laughs) 
he shot it not in oh Abu he just compared himself to fucking David Lean. Um, but in Morocco, where there's a solid filmmaking infrastructure. In fact, King wound up using the same sand dudes that leaned film for Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, and if I skip a couple paragraphs quickly, King thought about setting sex too in Dubai or Abu Dhabi because they were glamorous, high luxury markets free of financial troubles at the time. Quote, I settled on Abu Dhabi because it was more exotic and more unknown. Unknown to who, Michael? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, that's actually like <laughs> what I was gonna say is that that's very funny that he this dude's head is so far uh, took ass. yeah that and then also that he took inspiration apparently from David Lean because <laughs> one of the best lines in the movie is when Sam. There's like some sexy man that rides up on a camel or something, and then Sam looks at him, and goes, "Lawrence of my labia," <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best line in the movie. Yeah, I yeah, that line was. And that that leads us, yeah, to discuss just like they did everyone dirty, like every character. Oh my god, dirty! But they did Sam the dirtiest, like. So is she not always like this? She like is. Like this ratcheted up? She is, but I feel like it was just like embarrassing in this movie. Like it, yeah. it was taken, it was over the edge. Like she was like an, like a horn dog. Like she was. She, yeah. she wants to fuck everything. Yeah. And I think she, yeah. she wasn't so desperate in the TV show. Like she was very classy and controlled and like. I don't know. Very confident. Confident. And here she just feels kind of desperate. And I think and I if I'm remembering correctly, they the reasoning they provide for that is her she's going through hormone, menopause. Well yeah. she's trying to stave off menopause with oh, like a okay, weird okay. hormone cocktail. Which is just like a really gross storyline as well. Yeah. Especially knowing that it was written by a man because <laughs> yeah, it just this, kind of like didn't reinforces have a this hundred year like fucking miles it just ago. reinforces this idea that just like women getting older just means like a lack of sexuality and sexual attractiveness and that's like the most important thing for sam and it's just like yeah there's a whole scene built around the fact that the emirati government takes all of her hormone creams away and then an australian yeah. rugby team shows up and she's like oh no i'm not horny that must mean i'm dead basically yeah that's the whole thing yeah it um, is not yeah not not good so i understand why kim Cattrall does not want to be involved in yeah any of this i wouldn't more shit no um uh I still I can't I still I'm thinking about the shot when they get on the plane. And first of all, what the fuck kind of plane is like that? It has like a ball. I was gonna say you can like walk to. <laughs> yeah. Like, are there planes like that for real? Do I, people just live on another planet from us? Like, I I think they I think there are, honestly, and especially the ones that uh fly to Abu Dhabi on what's it called? Air Emirates? Is that it? uh yeah i mean yeah i don't know what else it would be called but 
anyway, um, that shot where fucking Carrie just picks up the Pringles and the camera zooms in and she's holding them like a commercial and just says <laughs> Arabic Pringles. Yeah. Like, that's going to haunt me for the rest uh, of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so um, let's set this up a bit. So they fly to Abu Dhabi. Um, first class, all expenses paid, and they meet up with like the chic of this place. Um, if it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about, it's because the movie doesn't know what it's talking about. This is the best I can do to explain it. Um, and they get to this big, like, palatial estate hotel resort, and it is truly one of the most like i've never thought that like wealth should be redistributed more than seeing how wealth was being used in this movie welcome to this country we got you four individual maybox to drive around in <laughs> uh and you all have um you all have a servant they're all a stereotype and they will just wait on you hand and foot and you can call them Aladdin and it doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I just can't get over how I can't. get So there is a whole subplot with Garau and Carrie. Garau being the hotel employee that is assigned as like her fucking slave, basically. Um, like she doesn't tell him to go home so he just stays there forever it's the worst but they're talking and you know this has to be a lesson for Carrie about marriage so they take this dude and he says that every three months he gets a break from work and if he can afford the plane ticket he will fly to India and go see his wife that still lives there. And he says that it's not about how much time they get to spend together because the time they do spend together is really nice. And that's not framed as a fucking tragedy. It's framed as justification for why Carrie should do this whole two days not at her apartment thing. Yeah, and it's... We're supposed to feel better about it because she leaves him money at the end. But, like... It's so hard for me not to see that and go, it is like the most truly tragic thing in the world that this man has to work ostensibly every day for three months without stopping. And at the end, maybe gets a break where he can maybe afford to see his family, maybe. And that's framed as like a virtuous thing, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the movie is like, um, these white ladies exploring like a foreign land but it's all like it's not really about the other people that they encounter it's more like about what the uh, new experience can do for them and like Mm -hmm. how how it can reflect like how they can apply it back to their own lives in new york and like like i don't know they just very see everything through like a lens of like their own self-reflection and improvement it's very it's very eat, pray, love. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, like other people 
don't exist like in the world they exist as a means for one of the four sex in the city girls to have like a realization about something yeah yeah and that is made so much more acute when it's also racist yeah (laughs) that like it just gets real gross real fast yeah Um, yeah i think oh man the movie came out uh maybe at a time where with a lot of like white feminists the thinking was that you should like liberate middle eastern women from their religion and like tear off their hijabs and stuff like that like that was very much the vibe that i was getting you know like they would well they would be like for lunch or breakfast at the hotel and like look over and like be like laughing at the woman there and what did they do Mm -hmm. i forget like they would so there is that scene and one of the other women is wearing a veil and orders fries if we're thinking of this Mm. and they're like wow crazy can't believe she has to lift the veil every time she wants to oh yes yeah and it's just like this movie is the most girl boss shit in the world for sure and i found the only way that like the way that the movie wrote these other women was like the only way that like the sex in the city women could see the other women as women was if they were doing like very stereotypically like American things or doing things that like Carrie herself would do. You know what I mean? Like eating fries or I don't know. Don't if I'm... worry. We're cool. <laughs> Under our burkas, we're wearing the latest Louis Vuitton oh, fashion. Exactly. I lost my fucking shit. I I was like, I got up and started like walking around my room. Yeah. And like just complete disbelief. The only way like these women are allowed to be people at all is if yeah. it's like we also love American consumers. Exactly. Yeah, like that was that was like the light bulb moment for Carrie when she was like, ah, they're just like me. And it's like, do they need to like Dude? Is this really how it's gonna go? Like you literally can only start seeing them as like human and their own people, like if they're exactly like you in the most ridiculous way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they all read that Suzanne Summers book. Oh, yes. Um, so and then so you have that on the one hand, and then you have there are apparently uh, two kinds of men in the Middle East only. There are meek, pleasant servant men who will do anything you ask and are inherently kind uh, without asking anything in return to the point of a fault, like the man who uh, sells shoes so cheaply that Carrie just decides to rip him off, um, and then she holds uh, he holds onto his passport for her. Um, and then I can't, I, yeah, like she wants to pay him in return and he says no because he's kind. And then she says, okay, I'm just buying shoes for all my friends, which she has already established are being sold for like way too cheap. So she just rips this dude off and leaves, which is a whole thing. But the alternative is you are just um, a fucking psychopath, like just a uh, sex negative, woman hating, screaming, frothing lunatic. Like, and those are the only two kinds of men, unless you're white, 
in which case you get to be rugged and adventurous. Yeah. It's fucking unbelievable. Speaking of uh, rugged and adventurous, we have to talk about that scene where Carrie's at the market and you're like, Aiden? Is that Aiden? (laughs) And he like, there's the music and then the reveal and it's it's crazy. What does Aiden normally dress like? Like, was it surprising that that was him because they like made him look all like fucking nathan drake ass like adventurer man or like what was the play there no i think it was surprising just because she hadn't like bumped into him in a long time and also like the tension with her running into aiden always is that like she was like aiden's mr big she like okay really like like got away broke his heart yeah and so it's like ooh, what could aiden be and also like the absurdity of running into your ex at a market in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> so, so this is not that, but I would like to, I would like to vouch for that being feasible only slightly by saying when I was like 13 or something, we went to Disney World, which I recognize is not the same thing. <laughs> but while there uh, in a random gift shop, we bumped into somebody else from our high school <laughs> interesting and that feels equal i mean i know like that feels equally unlikely and it happened for real so <laughs> maybe sex in the city is onto something yeah that's a fair that's a fair point Corey. um but you gotta keep in mind this is the same people who their two best friends their two gay best friends that they happen to have also got married which is also like a wildly <laughs> coincidental miracle so i think you only get one of those per <laughs> lifetime and the fact that it happens twice in the same movie i mean maybe that's happens, why it i think be, it happens more than twice like that's that's why the movie had to be two and a half hours long they were like okay it has to be at least an hour after we mentioned that those best friends get married so that the audience forgets about it and we can have another <laughs> wacky meeting exactly yeah it was nice to see him though i mean i was a, i'm an aiden fan I, so i'm cool. just a john corbett fan so like whatever i'll yeah. watch that dude do mm-hmm. fucking anything and 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 that's i think that's really all it is like it, along the lines of fan fiction it's they didn't get this guy in the first movie i don't know what the reason is there if they just like didn't have space for him in the story or he wasn't available or whatever it was but basically you don't get him in the first one fans are obviously clamoring for this guy i'm sure they had heard it after putting out the first movie that they want to see aiden and so it's just okay we well we've already decided to film this movie in abu dhabi we're not changing our mind there because like we want to have extravagant adventures for ourselves and so uh we've got to figure out how to get aid in here so let's just put him in there it doesn't it doesn't really matter people will be happy to see him and i think that's my biggest issue with this movie is that like it seems to be made by people that are so caught up in the life that they have as like rich filmmakers who have got to spend all this time in New York City and going to all these parties and stuff because in that way it is a, it, it is like it's a reflection of um Carrie's character in the, in the original series that she's able to go out and have all these dinners and go to clubs and stuff that stuff is is likely happening to the actors and the creators making the show and so 
it seeps into the show and also it's sort of just like a a trope of 90s new york tv and 2000s new york tv that people are able to do far beyond what their financial means would be but the fact that all the, these these filmmakers i think have like made so much money um that they just wanted to make a movie that is specifically about that thing without caring about how it actually comes across to viewers who are interested in the story or viewers who are just um, not living the same privileged life that these people are living. I mean, on the Wikipedia page, it says here that that the director, Michael Patrick King, he, he, he was thinking about the recession, like Corey said. But before that, it says that he wanted to he wanted to shoot this movie in an exotic locale because when he was doing promo for the original movie, you know, traveling all around, he got inspired and so i think that the dude just wanted to take a vacation yeah like adam sandler style and i think that like the planes we see in this movie are likely the kind of planes that these filmmakers were using um and i think that that's why the whole movie just feels like so immoral and opulent because it's made by the sorts of people that like that is their consideration in life because i can't fathom any other way it's possible that there is so much racist like boneheaded stuff in this movie i think that it's likely that while they were visiting uh third world countries like on their press tour or on vacation or whatever like they were having dinner next to someone that was wearing a burqa and they were like yo imagine if that person had to eat french fries or something or imagine how i bet if you took that off that person what if they like just looked super sexy and were wearing the same stuff we're wearing like it all feels so or imagine putting a white woman in that because white muslim people don't exist right yeah like it just it feels so unthoughtful and it feels like so indulgent all the way across the board and the original series didn't feel that way to me like it it had it had those shades like you guys said like carrie is often going to clubs and stuff like that but um it it felt a lot smaller and there's a lot of uh scenes of like characters just talking around tables or there's at least within a 20 minute runtime there's like a focused relationship problem but here it just feels like um they smashed like a bunch of episode ideas they had bouncing around in their head over the last 10 years since the movie stopped they put them all in one movie they didn't figure out a way to weave them altogether and since the show ended they have also become a whole lot richer and so we're gonna funnel that stuff into the movie it just it feels like all the things i like least about sex in the city um uh like carrie's privilege and her like ignorance and her terrible writing and the archetypes that you can assign to all these characters despite all that i think the show digs deeper and is actually able to feel very real and very uh, clever on uh, many occasions. And this movie like just sort of disregards all of that. And I think that Aiden being seen in the market is sort of like the epitome of it where it's just like so 
unthoughtful and it's just we need to get this dude in the movie who cares about how it happens and then after we film the scene we can like i'll go drink at a place in morocco that we're convincing people is abu dhabi i was just gonna say um about aiden i think like yeah i think that it's just like so annoying like that was kind of the last straw for me with this movie is as soon as fucking Aiden showed up, it's just like, I was like, this makes straight up no sense because for pretty much like the last few seasons of sex and city, Aiden's not really present at all because by the end of his and Carrie's relationship, he's one of the only rational characters on the show. And by the end of their relationship, he's like, he kind of doesn't want anything to do with Carrie because he has the self-respect to be like, you really hurt me and I deserve better than this Mm -hmm. in the way that Carrie is not able to do with big, but Aiden is able to have that respect for himself and what he deserves. And so he's kind of, by the end of the show, he's very much done with Carrie and how she's hurt him. And so it just really pissed me off. Like when he showed up in the movie in the same way that, they kind of erased their character development for a lot of the female characters. They erased it for him as well. Cause it's just kind of like, he really respected himself and what he deserved out of a person and like how he deserved to be treated, which is not how Carrie was treating him in the show. And then he just shows up again and is totally swept away by Carrie. And like, it just made no sense and it like they kind of just used him as like a silly little plot device and it just was not true to the character yeah like at all yeah and I don't think like I don't know in the show it seemed like like you said he stood up for himself he moved on like he has this wife and kids now and then he just like he's so willing to cheat on her that was just, yeah. like, really unlike Aiden, I felt. Like, he's... The whole appeal of Aiden is how he's kind of, like, the perfect guy. Like, he's so nice and... Uh, yeah. And he, also, he really like, has his, like, head on straight. Yeah. And that's also kind of part of the reason, like, plot-wise, why Carrie didn't like him as much is because she kind of craved the drama mm-hmm. that she had with Big and Aiden was almost like too good and too safe yeah and then it just like in this movie kind of like they like Aiden and Big like switch roles yeah. and now like Aiden's the bad guy and like Big's the guy at home and it just yeah. like it was just so stupid and <laughs> what- somebody please let Aiden watched Deadly's Cat. <laughs> what well, what really gets me about the whole Aiden thing is, uh, okay, it feels very cheesy when he shows up. feels even cheesier when they kiss because it's so obvious. Like, what are you going to do with a character that you haven't seen in 15 years? The easiest way to create dramatic tension is for them to kiss. But mm-hmm. I think that that still could have worked out for me if Aiden had at least got some closure in this movie, like if it had been Mm -hmm. focused on a bit more. But the fact that he kisses Carrie and uh, they share this kiss, like they say in the movie, like she didn't kiss him and he didn't just kiss her. Like it was a shared thing. And both of them are married. Aiden has kids. So this dude also cheated on his wife. 
And so I think all that's fine, even if it's like a betrayal of his character. Like they did the same thing with Steve in the first movie. He cheated on Miranda. So like mm-hmm. I've come to terms with the fact that this these movies are just going to take big swigs for some sort of dramatic payoff. But the fact that Aiden then gets nothing, there's no conversation yeah. with Harry about what happened. There's nothing about how Aiden feels about this as a married man. There's yeah. no no sort of resolution there it's just all about this makes carrie feel bad briefly but then uh she i mean by the end of it it's it's not an issue at all and the biggest issue is like how do we get on the plane so that we don't have to fly coach it is like i think it's such (laughs) i think it's such a terrible terrible decision once all is said and done and i think that if this movie had just like had someone involved who actually seems to care about these characters it could have been so much better you could have taken any one of these little storylines that again feel like they're like from the the pile of uh potential episode ideas had the show continued if they had taken just any one of those and like really put the spotlight on it i think that the movie could have been so much better whether it's Big and Aiden have switched places and and now Aiden has contributed to cheating. We're going to spend time with that. I think that would be really cool. Or if it had been Big and Carrie not wanting kids, which I thought was going to that was going to be what the movie was about when they had that really awkward conversation with the couple at the wedding. At the yeah, beginning of the and then movie. it just went nowhere. Exactly. And I actually thought that was a pretty cool scene where that felt like a real conversation where like the the couple was really taken aback that they're not having kids because they saw themselves in Carrie. They were such big fans of her. And now they've been let down. And I think that could have led somewhere really cool. But instead, all these plot lines are just like are, are brought up to be immediately dropped because the main purpose of the movie is uh we're on vacation in abu dhabi and so since that is like the main conceit of the movie we can't have any other climax than we have to escape abu dhabi like it's just so so ridiculous yeah yeah i think the the childless thing like they tried to transition it into being like it was basically like, ah, oh, so we're not gonna have kids. So now what? Like, are we a valid couple was kind of the thing. It made them like question their, uh, I don't know. Like, I Car- guess that's true. Carrie that's was point. like, we're an old dried up couple. Whereas like, I don't know, Charlotte and Harry are like, you know, concerned with the kids and they don't have to focus on their own dynamic as much. Um, but yeah, I feel like the movie didn't really like, it kind of half-assed, like made that loose connection, but again, just like dropped it and didn't like flesh it out at all. Right. I, th- I think that I think the, the movie treats its stories the exact same way it treats its jokes where like there's a setup and it seems like it might be going somewhere and then there is like no punchline. Uh, and that's sort of the way that's I think that's why the movie feels like it drags is because there's none of these big moments like everything that is set up doesn't really pay off. I think the well, biggest payoff like, in the movie is happening at all. Like, yeah, like Lawrence of Mylabia sort of saves the day. <laughs> I mean, that's 
that's a big moment and uh, that's sort of all we get yeah yeah what else do we get we get that pathetic musical number in the club which is that like, was embarrassing of, of all the songs they could have picked <laughs> like they huh? it's that's just another thing like they none of them would have ever actually done that no it's like in the show it's just so it's just so like campy in a way that like none of the characters are that way mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly that is like it just girl boss ass shit yeah it and like what does it think it's saying i don't know because they frame it as like look american women are here what are they gonna do they're crazy <laughs> what if what if they're saying i am woman and like everybody loved it and felt really empowered i guess yeah <laughs> like yeah um i don't know um yeah the yeah. whole the whole thing was it was like <laughs> here are these like feminist liberated american women and they're gonna come and they're gonna shake up abu dhabi <laughs> like yeah finally at long last like, i don't know holy shit um uh also i just gotta get this out there now wh- most of their clothes are, are pretty pretty bad right oh yeah that, i mean <laughs> that's probably outrageously like, bad outfits that's probably the one thing that is very very much true to the show <laughs> oh that they've always had terrible fashion yeah they've always just had like ridiculous clothes not not like all of them mostly carrie carrie just has like, go just... to the market outfit includes <laughs> sunglasses that are on like opera binocular sticks <laughs> and like and like yeah. a, like a like a bomber jacket with shoulder pads and like a graphic tee and like a prom gown sized skirt. It's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> she has some outfits. And then uh the thing that I remembered earlier that just broke me completely is when they A, they decide that one of the four servants is gay. And that's true, because of course. And they go camel riding and he picked out the clothes because he's gay and he's good at that uh but also those outfits <laughs> in particular are just like some really truly outrageously bad shit <laughs> like and just all of those things stacking on top of each other uh and that ends with the fucking what's his face showing up on that truck rickard i think is his name that ends with the Lawrence of Mylabius thing. Um, but, like, dude, I feel like if you want to at least play the, like, New York City fashion card, it's got to not be, like, it's got to be better than that, right? That feels like a low bar to try to hit. I don't know. It, it feels like they're always trying, like, hoping that they're, like, 20 years ahead of the curve. They're hoping that <laughs> decades from now, people will come back and watch this and be like, yeah, they had it. They had it nailed. And they're still trying to do it. It hasn't it hasn't caught up to the show yet. And it certainly hasn't caught up to the movies yet. But maybe maybe 50 years from now, they'll have they'll have done it. They're playing the long game, I guess. I'm still so mad that they drive around in four different individual cars. 
Yeah, to to be fair, <laughs> I mean, so I think Carrie says everything. right away. She says, uh, four different cars." Uh, you know, and then and then Miranda is like, "Hell yeah!" And then and then there they go. <laughs> yeah, I think also part of the reason their outfits are like I don't know so crazy is because it's it's a lot about um. I don't know, like designer stuff. And I feel like I'm not good at like picking up on, you know, what designer is what and what would have been like the hip things like on the runway in 2010 or two- when did this come out? 2010? Yeah. 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 So I feel like it might have been truer if you were like really keeping up with like the fashion, fashion in 2010. But like, Looking, <laughs> looking back on it, it's just like, oh boy. It's horrible. But I mean, like, does wearing what's on the runways equal fashionable? Not at all. In the case of, in the case of Sex and City, absolutely not. <laughs> I will also say, but what this movie does posit is that wearing what's on the runways does make you a real woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not problematic at all. <laughs> um, also... The whole, I have two completely different problems with the entire sequence that leads to them having to leave oh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, when she gets caught doing whatever they were doing, <laughs> uh, some people seem to think it was sex. Then they try to argue that that the complaining man was just really conservative. In any case, my problem is twofold. One, uh. Just the way that they're framing it as if they were, in fact, just kissing in public and then they're treating seemingly just normal everyday people in another country as complete, like, maniacal tyrants about everything. And B, uh, the complete and blatant disinterest that these characters seem to have in, like, following basic law by the end of this movie. Which is like, there's a fine line between some of these things, I guess. But it's like, by the end, they're just like, we're going to break as many laws as humanly possible before we leave. And I just don't understand what the movie's trying to tell me by the end of this. Like, we're just going to act like nothing that this culture deems important, however correct the movie is or is not. Because the movie is likely extremely wrong uh, in any regard whatsoever. And we're just going to fuck around and do whatever we want. <laughs> while simultaneously making the whole end of the movie just like extremely sex negative it's a disaster yeah but i think it's another one of those classic like sex in the city contradiction phenomenon where like i think the movie is trying to be very sex positive in that climax when like Samantha spills a bunch of condoms in front of a, a crowd and she's yelling at them to say that she has sex and that, you know, she's just she's just a woman that has sex. There's no problem with it. I think that the whole point there is that sex shouldn't be something that is sex hidden. Sex should be in every and, and, city. And, and sexy outfits should not be hidden as well. Like, I think that is that is the point, but it comes across totally the opposite. It comes across the opposite, but also, like, that in itself is just being racist. <laughs> because it's, like, it's just glossing over, like, anybody who chooses not to do this is bad, actually, is what it's 
essentially saying. I don't know. That's it's it's so weird. The ending is so fucking weird. Yeah, it feels like a fever dream up until that point, and then that's when you just like that's a point at which you throw your hands up in the air and you're like, oh my god. Okay, movie. You and then when they get into uh burkas themselves and then they play some like pink panther ass yeah i completely lost it i was out i was done (laughs) it was yeah that was definitely the point in the movie where you just sit there and you're like multiple people signed off on this Mm -hmm. like there's a whole crew of like hundreds of people who made this movie and they, you know, everyone agreed to do this. <laughs> it is, <laughs> and uh, it's just like Jesus. It's it's really embarrassing. Like I, I am honestly embarrassed for everyone who had involvement in this movie, and like I, I have less respect for them too. Like I think it's really mm-hmm. cool that Kim Cattrall is now out of it, and she's drawn a line in the sand. And in reading and listening to some interviews that. Uh, she's done it sounds like she had a pretty hard time getting along with all the other people um particularly like the other the other three friends and that she never actually Mm -hmm. felt involved and and felt like there was bullying going on and stuff and i sympathize with all of that and i think it's cool that she's like sort of out of whatever whatever cult is going on there but also the fact that she like did this movie and was like cool with it in in 2010 um like like nearly 20 years after ace ventura pet detective which was like previously the most racist movie we had talked about at least that was the early 90s like this is it's really really unfortunate that that this had to happen (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good that should be the review for the movie, like the pull quote. Like, it's really unfortunate that this had to happen. <laughs> I want to see that that on <laughs> It's funny because, like, the new reboot series is called And Just Like That. And I wish it would be called And It's Really Unfortunate <laughs> That This Had to Happen. <laughs> I think the only the only way that uh, my opinion on these movies could change and that I could gain any of the respect that I lost is if the the series uh, it's just like that, which is all, being creatively run by Michael Patrick King. By the way, I checked oh, it out. Okay. And it's not going to be our boy Darren Star. Um, so okay, if bad start, if he starts, start. if <laughs> they start the first episode by doing like. Uh, uh, one of those montages that they did at the beginning of the first movie, but it's all about these two movies. You know, they catch everyone up on what happened in the movies for people that didn't see the TV shows. And then Carrie's line of narration as she's like, right. Starting her next book is like, she just says, it was really unfortunate that all that had to happen. (laughs) Then I might give the rest of the show a chance, but right now it's, I don't know. It's not looking too good. Yeah. If, if it starts with like, um, a title card that just says anybody who caught up on the movies to get ready for this and it just says we're sorry yeah you know maybe you'll buy me there's one more thing i really need to complain about maybe other people have more but i really why okay so carrie gets home after cheating on her husband on a trip in a foreign country uh 
and admitting to it readily, which I guess is supposed to be viewed as virtuous, but really would probably just make him have an extremely bad time at home, which it seems like it did. Um, and then she gets home, and the reward for cheating on her husband <laughs> is a gigantic ring. That was so funny. <laughs> that is supposed to, it's framed as a punishment. And it's like, she said earlier in this same movie that she didn't want a Deadliest Catch TV. She wanted jewelry. I don't care if you show the fact that she was wearing a basic looking wedding band earlier. You're just enabling this. Yeah. She's going to make out with Aiden 10 more times. I think it's kind of funny. Like, it's almost like (laughs) she finally stoops to big level of shittiness, like towards big. And he rewards her. He's like, I would have done that. He's He's like, like, I did the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. By the end of the movie, I was like, you know what? They deserve each other. They do. Yeah, maybe maybe that was maybe that was the goal of Michael Patrick King. He was like, maybe. I am gonna make it so that people who hate big like hate Carrie equally. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe he up. like maybe he just wanted to justify his writing at the end of the show that they ended yes, up together by yeah. being like, look, nobody else can deal with Carrie's shit. No yeah. one else can deal with Big's shit. So they just have to be together. Yeah, sex in the city, <laughs> which is kind of true. The yeah, movie it, too. It it's the bigification of Carrie. <laughs> oh, and it, it's it's going to continue too. I read that um, in the series originally they said that that Mr. Big wasn't going to come back, and then yeah. uh, and then it was confirmed that he is coming back. Mm-hmm. And 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 then I read a quote from from uh, Michael Patrick King that said. Uh, can you have sex in the city without big? Come on. <laughs> That's funny. They must have like offered them way more or something. Cause I think like, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like, bam, Sam's not in it. And then it was like, big's not in it. And then I'm pretty sure like the actor who plays Steve was like, I'm out. And like, maybe even Aiden said I'm out. So a bunch of people were saying that they were out but then I truly don't think anyone wants to actually do this. Yeah, except for Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker like saw like somebody sent her an email where they were like, "Hey, if you ever do Sex in the City again and do this product placement, we'll pay you a bunch of money." And she was like, <laughs> "I mean, I guess I have to now," and it's just been wrangling it together ever since. I think to try to secure the bag. Yeah, I feel like SJP has like just do another bewitched. It's fine. Yeah, you know she she embodied like Carrie in her real life too, and she's just like <laughs> melded her life and Carrie's life. Like she never wanted anything more than to be Carrie. I think the, the bigification of Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker. Honestly, it I, I think that's really accurate. Like she became a producer, if not on the show. I'm not I'm not certain about that, but she she I, produced I think so, the yeah. movies. Yeah. Um. So she had a big a big hand in it. And a I, big I, hand. And uh, it 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 really it really does feel that way. That it's just like a her and like uh, a Michael Patrick king thing like her gay best friend it seems that that might be 
what's happening here. And I think the whole point of these movies, what they've taught us is that money talks. And I think that that's proven with Mr. Big coming back because I also read that the actor said that he wasn't happy at all with what the movies did with his character. Um, mm. And he didn't think that they should end up together. And he he didn't think that uh, he thought that the the proposal stuff like in in both movies was so corny and he said that he's more of a cynical guy um and so we'll see how that plays out in the show if he'll get any input or if they just pay him enough to like stay with carrie and and give her more diamond rings i really i i I am interested to know how the show will go but i yeah you do wonder like it it always has to be this big dramatic thing with big and carrie and you wonder what could happen the thing that's funny is like when they were fleshing out the script for the third movie that was like kind of trashed um what was gonna happen was big was gonna slip in the shower and die i think let's go (laughs) And oh then the movie God. was going to be about Carrie dealing with like the grief. Of, yeah, of, like, I honestly the like death they could give. <laughs> yeah. Think... yeah, do you think they would? Do you think it would be off screen or would they stage that? Where, like... I mean, it would be off screen, but it makes like a clown horn honk sound. Yeah, or fall. you you see like his his hand grasping the glass like through the foggy glass, <laughs> like. <laughs> Carrie, I yeah. love you. <laughs> this movie makes me turn into the fucking Joker. I yes. <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't know like where plot-wise they could possibly take the show because they like they I feel like they've covered everything. Yeah. Except for except for divorce and at least for on Carrie's part and like big dying like what like truly what else could they put in there story-wise mm-hmm. i do know that candace bushnell did write a book about divorce i believe called is there still sex in the city i love I that interesting more, i think it's more about her real life than sex in the city life well i mean um, you know sex in the city was about her real life too so is is there still sex in the city is a novel written by candace bushnell in august 2019 it is based on bushnell's real life experience after divorcing at age 50 mm-hmm. there you go there's yeah, a so movie for you just make- at least one of them will get a divorce for sure oh, i mean that's an sure. obvious oh, way for sure um which I mean, was the most likely one to get a divorce um i mean carrie carrie yeah, yeah because like real protagonist steve move. steve and miranda already kind of had that like big kind of breakup and then um also, Steve seems Charlotte, right. Charlotte Harry, and, I don't think Charlotte and Harry would get divorced. Yeah, that would just be I would, but did, I would be very upset. Me too. Yeah. That dude might slip in the shower though. He looks liable <laughs> to have slippery. <laughs> yeah. I hope not. How much more upset could Sex in the City make you than this? Oh, we'll you have know? to see. Tune in to find out. Yeah, honestly, honestly, we'll I, I think they, they, they. Uh, if I have faith in them to do anything, it is to top themselves in how how bad these this makes me feel. Because in watching <laughs> Sex in the City for work, um, I I liked a lot of it, but I really didn't like uh, some aspects of it. And so I learned from watching the uh, the first Sex in the City movie that like the only thing worse than the worst parts of the Sex in the City TV show is uh 
the Sex and the City movie. And then after that, I learned that the only thing worse than the Sex and the City movie is the second Sex and the City movie. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if with the TV show, they managed to push it a bit farther. But I, I really am interested because it's been so long. Um, so they definitely have had time for ideas, hopefully time for like emotional growth and because these movies particularly this second one have like been pretty notoriously panned like there is a podcast out there called uh the worst idea of all time where these two comedians uh re-watch the same movie every week for an entire year and the first movie they did was grown-ups too and they got a lot of uh press from it and um a lot of followers and then the second movie they did uh was sex in the city too and they watched it every single week and and if you go for on a like year that is for the, a whole year yeah they're gonna die one day yeah and and then uh <laughs> no i think and season four they did the original sex in the city movie and um and if you go on letterbox like the sex in the city two reviews are so harsh even the ones that are five Ooh. star reviews are they're like so funny. this movie is so racist and ridiculous five stars and honestly i get that i i can't I can't begrudge people for that. But so what I mean is the the response to Sex in the City 2 has been so loud that there's no way the creatives behind this series haven't heard it. And so it just depends. Are they going to respond to that or are they con- going to continue to do the Sex in the City classic of where we are going to do exactly the opposite of what our audience uh, wants and is getting out of the show? So we'll have to see. Can I read a letterbox review really quick that made me laugh really hard just now? It's from someone named Sam. It says, Mr. Big buys Carrie Bradshaw a TV, which prompts her and the girls to tour through the Middle East and be racist. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. That's like, that is the best example of that screenwriting technique where you're supposed to mention something and then say, the, um, because of that, this happens. Uh, and that's yeah. how you write stories. So big buys a tv because and because of that (laughs) carrie becomes racist Mm -hmm. is there anything that we missed because we are approaching the runtime of this film and i'm wondering if we feel like we've covered everything i feel Uh, like it yeah i guess the question is after having watched this will we watch the tv show reboot thing Ooh. Absolutely. I think I'm gonna have to. Yeah. yeah. I think at least I think at least like the first few episodes just to see how it is. If it's god awful, I don't know if I'll continue watching it because I can't. You can't I don't live know your life can, like that. Yeah. I also <laughs> I don't know if I can picture it being bad as in so bad as good because I feel like TV is rarely like that yeah it's a commitment right to continue like movies are kind of a one-off so if it's so bad it's good it's fine but it's very hard to actually continue watching a bad TV show so we'll have to see mm-hmm yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out, especially because uh, I mean we've had this experience now, and so we can talk about it. And I'm just I'm so curious as to what they're gonna do. And after I finished the first Sex in the City movie, um, even if I didn't have to watch Sex in the City two for the podcast, I would have watched it. And I didn't like the first mm-hmm. one very much, but I thought, wow, what are these characters gonna do next? I really, I I, I was so 
curious. And so I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a shot, but I think we'll be able to figure out pretty quickly if, uh, if we're being kinged or if we're being starred, so to speak. I yeah. think I'm going to have to also at least watch one episode of it. That said, mm-hmm. I got to be honest. This has not made me interested in seeing the good <laughs> version of Sex in the City because I just don't know how I, w- I could reconcile that with this movie after seeing the movie first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't picture fair. the good version of this thing because this thing is so beyond the pale. <laughs> At least you got the worst part over with first. Right. And then like, it, it's only uphill from here. Yeah, exactly. Except that, that for that pilot. except for the episode, the bisexual episode, that's pretty bad. Oh, what is, decide what is that, that like do they decide that bisexual people don't exist in that one? No, they exist. <laughs> Carrie just thinks okay. that they're like freaks of nature. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of yeah, there's qu- does, do i like, even want to know why does samantha stand up for bisexual people she does yeah she does oh, nice. and she's okay. like the only one who actually like dates a woman for a little bit but uh, so many spoilers here but oh well look if people made it two hours deep into a <laughs> yeah they they know yeah <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> uh wow okay um yeah this <laughs> the bigification of- <laughs> that's such a funny idea yeah i'm gonna start just using that that was really good <laughs> what a gift you're welcome <laughs> do we want to wrap it up here do we want to just ride off into the sunset on this one and not ever have to talk about this this very this very bad movie again yes please i think yeah I'm very much done. It was fun for a while, but <laughs> <laughs> honestly, Even that's this a is too it's, much. It's nice to vent. Yeah, yeah. we earned this. <laughs> yeah, and and we mentioned at the beginning that maybe at the end we uh, I said that we could we could assign Sex and the City characters to each other. But I gotta say, after talking through this movie and really like reminding myself how I feel about it. I I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I said that any of you guys, my dear friends, are like any of these characters. Like that, it's just totally abhorrent. So it's the meanest thing you can say to somebody is like, yeah, yeah. Just I'm not like gonna. Carrie Bradshaw. In fact, if if I ever make that connection in my head uh, that someone is like a Sex in the City character, I will certainly clarify that I mean the TV version. Unless it's someone, yes. unless it's someone awful. Like if I meet like a Hitler type person, like I'm probably. <laughs> gonna say yo dude you're a lot like uh carrie sex in the city 2 2010 vibes (laughs) yeah yeah that's the thing that's the other thing is like i feel like you rarely meet people in real life that actually do remind you of the characters but like everyone just likes to pick which one they think they identify with or whatever but yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's why it's fun to watch too, because it's not you're you're able to like pick and choose uh, what you identify with as these characters are going through. You don't feel you don't feel so much attachment to them that you can like easily be mm-hmm. let down. But you can just uh, sometimes they have experiences that you relate to or something. And until you see Sex in the City too, in which case, not super relatable. <laughs> yeah. That feels like a good a good place to wrap that. So uh, I do want to ask Maddie and Laura, is there anything you guys want to shout out or plug at all? Are you just having a good time? 
whatever you guys want to do you get some- i'm just having a good time Hell i don't yeah. really have anything to me too. i don't have anything to plug let me think yeah I, oh um if you're into sex in the city you should follow the instagram account which is called every outfit on sex in the city I have to look that up right now. Um, very true. That's a very that's a very good yeah, Instagram account. That's a good account. And then they also did this series called Woke Charlotte, where like oh no, they, they took they took all the parts in the TV show that were like problematic, and then they put screen caps on Charlotte, so that Charlotte is like correcting them, <laughs> and it's pretty funny. <laughs> Anyways. This every outfit from Sex in the City account is verified. It does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. Oh my god. They're uh, not faking the outfits. It, it is they're actually not. every outfit. <laughs> we love to see the ladies bring the cleavage to Miranda's mom's funeral. <laughs> because nothing says I'm sorry for your loss. Like Carrie's decolletage and Samantha's teary Mulder cold shoulder dress. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a great... I'm following that today. Mm-hmm. That's... <laughs> yeah, and they will keep you up to date on all the news and everything. That's how I'm going to learn about this show, is yeah. that Instagram account Absolutely. Only. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. That's did, you, so- did you see the petition for let jennifer coolidge reprise her role yes. as deranged handbag designer yeah, yeah. in the sex in the city reboot yes <laughs> dude god i wish they should just replace samantha not like the character yeah, like she's just samantha, but they should just <laughs> they should just introduce a new character who loves sex and it's just jennifer coolidge it would actually honestly it'd be really funny if jennifer coolidge just came in and she was like i'm samantha (laughs) like everybody (laughs) acted like nothing was wrong and like (laughs) i would i would truly watch that i think everyone would yeah dude jennifer coolidge fucking rules she's on fire right now yeah like she was fantastic in the White Lotus. Yes, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. I want to see it. That's good, man. So, really if good. Michael Patrick King, if you're listening, we just gave you two <laughs> fire ideas that will exactly. save the movie and the show. So, consider well, it. Yeah. You, you don't have to pay us, uh, but you know, actually, the, that's a the, lie. The you yeah, you, you should cut us, us a check. Cut us a yeah. check. I'll, I'll be We've done We know you have some. At least bring us on your next trip to Abu Dhabi and. We'll show you how it's done. Yeah, yeah, that seems that seems reasonable. Um, so I don't know, Liam. I don't know how you're going to top that Instagram account. But do you have anything you'd like to plug at all? The use of misogynistic and potentially triggering language during sex requires communication and trust. What? That's a quote from Woke Charlotte. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, true, but... <laughs> Liam's just giving us the advice. Um, yeah, well, uh, I just got a, a Twitter and a Letterboxd account called Graham the Malo, where I rate movies, and you can check that out. You can say that with a little more enthusiasm. I think it's pretty cool. Well, I kind of got Woke Charlotte on the mind right now, and I feel like there are, there are bigger issues in the world Is than woke my Twitter Charlotte, account. Is like, Woke so. Charlotte the follow-up to Good Charlotte? <laughs> maybe it's, uh, tell you right now it's a lot more woke than good charlotte so maybe <laughs> they updated good charlotte for 2021 <laughs> uh 
<laughs> that's oh man this has been great um i uh i have another podcast where i don't i don't talk about sex in the city but i do talk about mortal Kombat. that show is called mk podquest it's uh all over the internet on that name and um thank you all once again for listening to another episode of they made another one thank you for powering through this film with us uh i hope it was worth your while we had a good time so you know it's the least we can hope for um you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another which is all one word and on letterbox that t-m-a-o you can find episodes on anchor spotify apple and google podcasts stitcher breaker and everything else as they made another one you can reach us via email at t-m-a-o podcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes questions comments and which of the four sex in the city girls you think you are um our fantastic thumbnail art is done by jade dickinson who you can find on instagram at jade sketches and we actually already know what we're watching next week uh we are going to be checking out lady snowblood 2 at mitch's request so a bit of a pivot from sex in the city to definitely more murder but i'm not sure how much more it has maybe it's also got fashion it might we, we'll have to figure that out but you can check that out here next week and uh, with that all out of the way we'll catch you next time for more they made another one. <laughs>